Hello, and welcome to the Mercy and Grace Ministries podcast. This is a show for those who desire to be ignited in their faith through the trials of life. We will inspire you with powerful, life-transforming stories, energize you with biblical truths, and give you the tools to connect into what God has for you. Join us in this journey as we think as we laugh, and as we grow in a deeper relationship with Christ together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mercy and Grace podcast. We're so excited you joined us. This message is called The Hook of Hope, and this is episode number two. My name is Eric Mueller, and I am your host. Now, if you listen to the last episode, episode number one, I went through and unpacked my story, but I, I talked about this concept of my why. Like what gets me out of bed every single day? Now, I was given this concept or told about this concept by a gentleman by the name of Prem Chan, very successful business guy, but he said he revolutionized his life, his world, his business by understanding what his why was, and he pointed me to a great book, Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. And so if you haven't read that book, I just encourage you to check it out. It's pretty cool. So I kind of just looked at that concept of what is my why? And so my why, uh, I really had to define that. And my why is to ignite the fire of hope in people so they can spark the change in others. And it becomes this progressive path of me being ignited by God and the hope that is in him uh, through Jesus Christ in my life and the change that's happened. And I draw into that hope. And when I, when I put my hook of hope into him and everything that he has for me, I'm able to take the life transformation change happened in my life. And, and, and I'm able to take that and ignite the fire of hope in people. And then they can take that change, that hope and ignite the fire of hope in people. And it just becomes this process of us pointing to the the giver of hope. That's what it's about. It's about pointing to the giver of hope. The hope is not in us. It's not in the world. It's not in the money. It's not in the relationship, earthly relationship. All those those things are are good, right? If used properly, but it's in Jesus. And that's what this message is about. It's about understanding what is our hook of hope. What does it even mean to be hooked into something? So what it really means is this being connecting into it. What are you connecting into? We desire a positive outcome, obviously, for the things that we're hooked into. Uh, you don't hook into something looking for a negative income uh, outcome, right? I mean, you, you desire positive things when you hook into something. Obviously, people hook into Christ because maybe they're broken and they desire a healing. They desire to be uh, to have their mind changed so they can think differently. You name it. The process is to understand what that hope is, what we're hooked into and why that hope is important, and what is the desired outcome. So we're going to talk on both sides, like what does it look like to be hooked into the world and what does it look like to be hooked into Jesus and what do we draw our hope into from him. So we're going to go through the story and this, remember, this podcast is for us to be ignited in our faith through the trials of life. And we inspire you with powerful life transforming stories. And we're going to do that through both stories from people that have gone through transformation 
and then also through biblical stories that inspire us and change us. We're going to energize you with biblical truths as well. Uh, we're just going to look at the Bible and the truth of the scripture, and we're going to connect into it, into the plan that God has for you, and reveal how we can change our mind about situational things that we go through and what we're hooked into. 1 Samuel 8, verse 6. 1 Samuel 8. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. The Israel, uh, Israelites wanted a king to go into battle for them. They wanted a king like everyone else around them. They wanted to be like everyone else. So think about it. The Israelites are being led by God and God is giving them all of their provisions and that was not good enough for them. It was not good enough for them. In their effort to put their hope in a king, they denied the everlasting king. In an effort to put their hope in a king, they denied the everlasting king. So we, we look at that concept of what do, we, what do we put our hope into? Do we put our hope into the earthly king or do we put our hope in the heavenly king and what he is providing and how he is providing? So this is the kind of concept we're going to talk about today. They put their hope in the deficiencies of a man rather than the abundance of God. And they were blinded by what God was giving them. God was providing all along the way for these individual people. They just didn't see the provisions and they looked around as they were going into battle because there was uh, there was nations coming against nations during this time and the people were actually going into battle and God was going ahead of them. God was conquering other kingdoms in the midst of this, but they didn't see the provision that God was laying out before them. They wanted a king and they felt the king would solve their problems. There was a lack of faith that God was not enough. God was not enough. If we look at the history of the Israelites, we see how the hook of hope was always in something else besides God, even in the midst of the provisions that these individual people had. God led the Israelites through the wilderness, and they did not see the provision that God had for them. He even said it in verse 8, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. They were always looking for something else besides what the provision of God was bringing for them. God led the Israelites to food and water. They moaned and groaned. It wasn't enough. They wanted more. God brought them out of slavery in Egypt, but they wanted to go back to Egypt because freedom from God was not 
enough for them. They felt their needs weren't being met as they were in slavery when God freed them. They com- they complained and moaned and groaned that what God was doing wasn't enough and they wanted to go back into the comfort of what they knew in slavery instead of trusting what God was doing. So, see, here's, here's the kicker. When God's provisions are not enough, you will continually seek satisfaction in things that will not bring ultimate satisfaction. It will leave you thirsty for more every time. You will look for the earthly king when you really need a deeper faith in the risen king. You will put your hook of hope and trust in a political party every single time instead of influencing truth and love no matter the party affiliation, right? Think about that. You will put your hook of hope in an elected official rather than trusting God is going to work sovereignly, maybe even in that individual to produce the results that he wants. And guess what? It may not be in our political alignment. It may not be with the person we think who is in office that God may be working through that person. How do we know? But we're so, we're so stuck in our, our, our thinking that a human is going to solve our problems. If they're in office, instead of looking to God, looking higher, putting our hook of hope higher, that God is working sovereignly through people and he is designing behind the scenes. Now, I'm not saying that an individual makes mistakes as in those positions and they do things that are not good for the people. I'm just saying that trust that God will use those things to ultimately do his will. And we just got to trust in God's sovereignty in those situations. And so often we just want to, we want to you know, through our political views out there and how wrong it is and how this person could never do good without thinking that maybe God is working behind the scenes and we just don't see it because we don't see a lot of things that God is doing behind the scenes. We don't see the bigger picture. We just see what maybe our bias or our own political views allow us to see or the or the injustices, which there are injustices, and those blind us to what God is doing. And therefore, we hook our hope into politicians, into laws, into things, rather than just saying, God, I trust you with the results. I know you're doing a mighty work. I'm just going to love those who think differently than me. I'm going to love those who think differently, and I'm going to be the bridge that bridges to the love of Christ in me. I'm going to be the bridge to the brokenness. It's a different way of looking at it. At it. You will put your look for things that make you feel good rather than what is good for you. Because sometimes the thing that is good for you is not the thing that makes you feel good. We don't run our lives on feelings. We run our lives on obedience as Christians. And that's what it's about. Are we living in obedience? Now, I thought money would solve my problems. In fact, the chasing of the almighty dollar is one of the most deceptive things you can do in your Christian life. Now, I mean chasing in an unhealthy way and putting your hook of hope into this thing called money. And when the money goes away, where are you left from a 
uh, feeling perspective. How do you feel when the money's gone, right? 1 Timothy 6 says this. 1 Timothy 6. But godliness and contentment is great gain. Godliness and with contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Being satisfied with the basics, right? Those who want to get rich fall on temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Have you been there? Have you seen that in your life? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Is your hook of hope in your bank account? How do you know? How do you know if your hook of hope is in your bank account? Does your anxiousness increase or decrease with the balance of your bank account? When the money is was going away and you're spending at a fast rate, does your anxiety go up? Does your peace go away? But when the when the bank account's fat and you got a big savings, do you feel like, oh man, there's some security here. God is good. He's blessing me. How do you look at money in the midst of that? Now, I, I know we all need money to make it in life. It's not about the need of money. It's about how we see our money. If it goes away, where will you be from a mental perspective, a mental state? Will you have a breakdown? Like what is your, when you're, when the thing goes away that you're most tied into, how do you react to that? And that will tell you, that will be a first sign indicator of what your hook of hope is in. My world was rocked financially. In 2008, I lost everything. 2008, 2009, I lost everything. I went to zero. Zero retirement, zero savings, no money. Uh, my Renee had a job. My wife had a job working in retail. And we were depending upon her minimal income to survive. The bills were mounting, but I was chasing the almighty dollar, which led to the ultimate financial fall. I had a million dollar lawsuit against me through a business that went sideways and we had investors in a project, but nonetheless, a million dollar lawsuit personally against me it was a devastating time and it changed the way I looked at money. But let me tell you, you will know what you are hooked into when you think you are hooked into what you are hooked into goes away. I was devastated. I was devastated when I went to zero. I mean, absolute no money left. I was chasing something and it all went away. What was I left with? I was only left with my ability to trust in God. The financial foundation was gone. What foundation was I to stand on? There was no security, but guess what? There was provision. There was no faith in a job, but God moved me into employment. There was nothing left to give me that sense of accomplishment because that's what I was chasing. I was chasing the dollar to gain that sense of accomplishment, but God used the situation to refine, shape, and accomplish his great work in the trial to give me a new way of thinking about money 
and not put my hook of hope into money, but use it as a tool and be obedient in once God started to help me kind of see the path I was on and the destructive path I was on. And then I started to work and regain and start to save and things started to come back. But I finally saw what God did in the trial, in the midst of the trial, he changed my view on money. And so I started to put my hook of hope in different things. It wasn't about the money. And I mean, I'm a saver. I like to save money. I don't like to spend money, but my view on money is different and I don't hold it so tightly. I get, I try to give freely because I know the desire of God's heart is for me to give out of his abundance that he's given me. It's not my abundance, not what I'm chasing. It's what he's building in me and how I am, how I now look at money as a tool rather than I have to have it to have my security. My security, my hook of hope is higher in Christ. That's where my identity lays. That's where my accomplishment lays. That's where, that's who's the giver of the money in the first place. God provides. So I just got to trust that he's providing in the way he's providing and not be hung up when that money goes away. Now, trust me, I know. I've been there when you're in a difficult financial situation and you don't have the means of income. Anxiety starts to come up. Fear starts to come up. I got to make the mortgage. I got to make the bills. I got to put kids food on the table. And all these fears come up like we have to do this on our own. We are not alone in this. Take the hook of hope out of the fears and all the, the anxiety and put the hook of hope higher to say, God, I trust you. I trust that you're going to provide, God. I trust that you're going to give me that next job. You're going to give me that next source of income. You're going to give me the manna from heaven to feed me. It may not be the way that I think it's going to happen, but God, it's the way that you're working your perfect work in me. So trust in that process. All right, in John 4, we see this great exchange between Jesus and a Samaritan woman at the well. And chapter 4, verse 7 says this. John chapter 4, verse 7 says this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So Jesus is at, uh, alone with this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans, scripture tells us. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But, now here's the kicker, here's the great part. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And of course, her response is, Sir, give me this water so that I won't become thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw 
water. Having your hook of hope in Jesus is all you need to never thirst again. And Jesus is, and there's many lessons within this. I'm just going to point to this in the context of the hook of hope. And the hook of hope is about not being satisfied in what the world will give you, but being satisfied in what Jesus will give you. And Jesus gives us, as he left this earth, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And we see this Holy Spirit as the eternal water that is in us, the eternal water that will always give us the satisfaction living in us. The problem is, is that we try to replace that Holy Spirit living water, Jesus working in us by the Holy Spirit. We try to replace that with the world and gain satisfaction. That is the crux of the issue. That is what we deal with every single day. We take the satisfaction of the world and what it gives us, the temporary things that we gain from the world, the temporary happiness, the temporary feelings, the temporary uh, relationship that give us a sense of of ways that we can um, feel accomplished or we can uh, gain a, a, a sense of love, right? Human love. And we take those things and we replace them trying to be satisfied. And, and God is saying, if you try to do that and you take me out, you will always thirst. You will always come back to the well over and over and over again looking for that fulfillment in the world. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results, right? So the insanity of it is all is that we're chasing after things, looking for satisfaction and we're, repla- we're trying to replace what God gives us. You chase emptiness looking for fulfillment. Chasing emptiness looking for fulfillment comes in many different ways. You could be looking for a relationship, and you think that relationship is going to give you uh, a positive outcome, which in, in, it you know in some cases can, right? But if you look for it to fix something in you, if you look for it to take the place of what God God should be doing in your life, that's where it becomes dangerous. You know, looking for that man, thinking he's going to come and, you know, be the Casanova that sweeps you off your feet and, you know, brings you off into the sunset. And and that may, that may happen. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. I'm just saying if you use other people to do what God should be doing in your life, that's where it becomes dangerous because man will always fall short. I mean, a woman will always fall short and a man that you're chasing after will always fall short, but God will never fall short in your life. And that's the beauty of putting our hook of hope in him. Emptiness also comes in the form of if you're broken and you look for the quick fix, alcohol, drugs, pill, you name it. Now, I'm not saying that you have a medical condition where you might need to take some medication. I'm saying where that med- medication starts to become the way you cope with the situation. Then you become it becomes an abuse, and then it becomes an addiction, and we know where that leads. So it's about taking anything where God should be the one in that spot, And you take a substance, you take a a person, and you put it in God's place. And that's exactly what the Israelites were doing. They were saying, we're going to replace the everlasting king with a human king, thinking that human king was going to fix their problems. 
But God warned the people and he said, the king will have his own way. The king will fall short. The king will lead you astray. I will never lead you astray. I will provide. I will be that person. But you don't have faith in me to live into that role. Now, emptiness is also chasing anything to take the place of the spiritual fruit. What does that even mean? We can talk about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, which is the first fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So anything that replaces the fruit or we seek to replace the fruit, that's where the hook of hope is in the wrong place. The hook of hope is in the wrong place when we seek to replace God's love with the love of man. We seek that love in other places besides God because how easy is it to to just take the love of man and say, oh, I feel this certain way instead of saying the purity of God's love is upon me. God's love is the purest love form of love we can have. And that's why the first two commands uh, that Jesus tells us is to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all of your soul. As a result of that first love, that that purity of love, of connecting into what love is, we get just this overwhelming sense of who God is, his pure love, and what love looks like, the example of love, and how we can love, and what love actually looks like the purity of love and then we have to empty ourselves out of what we think love to be and when we empty ourselves out we leave room for God's love to envelop us envelop us and as a result of the transformational change of God's love in our life it gives us the ability to do the second command which is to love our neighbors as ourselves right because if we're taking on the purity of love emptying ourselves out That gives us the ability to take in the purity of God's love. And when we reflect the purity of God's love out, that's how we show who God is in our life through the acts that that happen as a result of the love that we're taking on. And we are able to show that love to others. And that's how we love our neighbor is by reflecting God's love or taking on God's love into our life, the purity of it, and just expressing that to others in kindness in love. So often we can seek that love in other places. So that's the love part. How about joy? Anything you seek joy from that is not pure joy from being fully satisfied in God. That's that's the the, the purest definition of of looking at taking the joy if you now some would argue it's not true joy if it's not from God. Meaning that you can seek a pleasure in the world and think that you have joy But until you taste the joy of heaven, until you taste the joy of God, you'll realize that whatever you're chasing from the world is just temporary happiness. And that's, some would argue that, say, oh, it's not true joy from the Lord. True joy only comes from God. Everything else is happiness. And sometimes we confuse happiness and joy. Joy means that I am, nothing can steal my joy away, even when the world is crashing around me. My hook of hope is in Jesus. It's in the hope that is in him. It's in eternity. It's in the kingdom. And it's not in earthly circumstances that can steal my happiness away. So joy is eternal. It's something that comes from above. It's a heavenly resource from above. And it doesn't change with circumstance. 
That's the difference between happiness and joy. Your joy will live through the chaos. It'll live through the deaths you suffer. It'll live through the no money in the bank. It'll live through the addiction. The joy will be there in eternity, through eternity. So that's the difference. And and trust me, things happen that will damper your, your happiness on earth. But just trust in the Lord that he has a plan in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the chaos to bring you into his full joy and satisfaction in him. But the question is, where's your hook of hope? You'll know where your hook of hope is when your joy is taken away or your happiness is taken away when things of this world are taken away. And maybe that's happened to you already. Now, the other fruit is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Your hook of hope will be in the wrong place when any of these things are affected by a change in your circumstance. You will know where your hook of hope is if any of this fruit goes away by a change in circumstance, by a change of earthly circumstances. All I say to you is this. We must put our hook of hope higher The fruit of the Spirit is we're operating in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit will be evident no matter the circumstance, meaning nothing will steal our love, nothing will steal our patience, nothing will steal our kindness, nothing will steal our faithfulness to God, nothing will steal that gentleness, nothing will make us out of control, we'll operate in self-control when we're moving in the Spirit and the Spirit's moving in us and we're not hooked into the world. That's the evidence this is the evidence of where your hook is hooked into. Hooked into. So, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So that's the other thing is just looking to God and saying, God, I trust you. I know that you're going to work a good work in this situation. And so therefore my joy is there because you know what? God's working it out behind the scenes. All things work for good. All things work for good. Even the bad work for good. Even the bad God will work for good. And that gives me hope. So how do you know you're hooked into the living water? How do you know you're hooked into this living water that Jesus talked about with a Samaritan woman at the well? How do you know? Your flame of hope, this is number one, your flame of hope isn't ever extinguished when things don't go your way. It's never extinguished. It's always looking to what God is doing. Oh, I went bankrupt. My, I lost all my money. I went to zero. God must be doing a mighty work. Let's see what he does. God, I trust you. I don't, I don't know the results, but God, you know the results. You know the lesson. You know what you're teaching me. You know what you're guiding me through. And I just want to put my hook of hope in you that in the midst of this lesson, I'm going to learn about money. I'm going to learn about relationships. I'm going to learn about addiction. I'm going to learn, you, you know, whatever the lesson is you're learning, that God is going to bring you through it for a reason. He's going to bring you through that for a reason. The second point, nothing can steal your fruit off your tree. Nothing can steal your fruit off your fruit tree. No, nothing can steal your joy. Nothing can steal your hope. Nothing can steal your uh, love. Nothing can steal the fruit off 
your fruit tree. Your peace is unshaken when war comes. You trust God is going to work out the situation, not how you want it. That's the other key is so often we lose our patience because it's not working out in our time. But God, I have all these bills due. I, I, my kid is, um, you know, he, he's about, he should be starting college right now and he hasn't been accepted. You know, all these things can kind of stir in your mind and steal your peace away. And it's unshaken when we are connected into the living water. You are patient through the trials of life. And that's a tough one. You are patient through the trials of life. But here's the deal. You're going to go through the trials of life. You're going to go through difficult times. Things are going to happen that you go, why God? Why did you allow this to happen? Remember this. God has a plan. Trust him. God is leading the way. Believe there's a better day ahead. God will carry you through this difficult time. God may be using this difficult time to teach you a lesson. And James 1, 2 is the best scripture to teach us, to show us this opportunity of, of God working in the midst of trials. And it says this, consider it pure joy, my brethren, or my brothers and sisters, some translation says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you will, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, produces Patience, that's another word for perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish it, its work. Meaning that as you persevere through that trial, stand in the trial and you allow God to do his work. It's doing something in the trial. God is doing something in the trial. And this is the blessing wrapped in the midst of the chaos of the trial. And that's why our joy cannot be stolen because something good is coming from the trial if you're patient in it. If you try to manipulate and control the outcome, God is going to teach you a lesson and it may be in a different way. God is going to use that. But here's the deal. If you're patient in what God is doing, here is the beautiful thing. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So the trial is to bring me into this perfect place of completion, lacking nothing. That's where God wants us. He wants us to be mature Christians, not moved by the winds of circumstance to move us away from what he is doing. And he uses trials to teach us. But if our joy is taken away from every trial and we're not patient in the trial and we don't trust him in the trial, the lesson can be missed. And this is what God is saying in James 1, 2. Your ultimate satisfaction is in him. John Piper says it best. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I love that. I mean, I absolutely love that. God is most glorified in us. We most we give God glory when we are just satisfied in him alone, not satisfied in the world. We glorify God in his own satisfaction when we're hooked into him. Our hook of hope is in him. Where is your hook of hope today? How can we unhook from the wrong things and start to put our full faith and trust 
in God. First, we must have a deeper relationship with him. It takes deep relationship connected into him, his word, to understand stories that can encourage us to be in prayer in that situation, giving it to him every single day, asking other people to pray for that situation and circumstance. Prayer moves mountains. That's that's a, a great thing because we can depend on prayer, not only of our prayers, but people surrounding us and helping us and guiding us into those situations. True breakthroughs come when we submit ourselves to God and his plan in patience. If we don't know what his plan is, that's okay. We deepen our knowledge by understanding who he is. I encourage you, if you don't read scripture, to get Read Scripture app. Just search Read Scripture on your app store, uh, whether you're Google or if you're on iPhone. Read Scripture app. And this is a uh, application that will get on your phone and you can bite-sized pieces, read Scripture in the day. And they also do great videos that break down the stories of the Bible in video format, and it's phenomenal. You will love it. Read Scripture app. If you don't have it, get it. Breaks it Bible down into small pieces. Uh, how about joining a, a life group, a Bible study, a community group, maybe going to church and connecting with people to help you with the situation you're dealing with to make sure you're connected into the right place and, and remove the unhealthy things from, the, from your life that you know are dragging you down, that you know are you were replacing for God. And take the things that are out of control in your life and present them to God in prayer over the next 30 days. Every single day, bring those things to God and watch what he does in the midst of that, surrendering, surrendering yourself, not letting situational things steal away what God is doing in the midst of that circumstance and situation, and just allowing God to be God, working in your life, being guided by him. And allow that peace to be returned in that situation. Allow that peace to be restored into that situation that you're dealing with. If you have any questions, you can, of course, subscribe to this podcast if it's helping you and, and, and looking at your life and situational things that you're dealing with. And uh, you can email me, eric, E-R-I-C, at mercyandgrace.org. That's my email address. Email me anytime. And I encourage you to just surround yourself with like-minded people and just ask for help if you're dealing with a tough situation that's stealing what God has for you out of your life based on circumstantial things. We appreciate your support for the Mercy and Grace podcast. If you want to learn more about the ministry, mercyandgrace.org is the web address. Check us out. A lot of cool things on the website. If you want to support us, you can support us there as well on the donate page. We appreciate you. We thank you and be blessed. <laughs>